Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading and award-winning influencer marketing company for fashion, home and beauty brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer behavior in the digital age and, of course, all things influencer marketing in right around 15 minutes. I'm Sana Oudmark and I'm thrilled to have my brilliant colleague Carlos Casquillo here with me today. We will go through the key findings from our latest research report that we've done together with Nepa and Kantar. We have looked into the brand strength of 13 major fashion brands on the Swedish market and found out what many brands are missing out on, why preference is key to thriving as a brand today, and what chances there are for brands to grow to win the next generations through a long-term strategy. Hi, Carlos, and big welcome to the podcast. Hi, very happy to be here today. So excited for having the chance to be in the podcast. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. So before we jump into the exciting results that we will share, could you just start by telling the listeners a bit about yourself and your role here at Cure Media? Yes, of course. So my role is called Head of Revenue, and I'm responsible for adapting all of our solutions to our clients and partners uh, and uh, make sure that the solutions create value for them and uh, and for us to grow together with our partners. Uh, that's as simple as that. <laughs> In other words, a critical role, I would say. So this report that we will go through today, what's the purpose of it and why did we conduct it? Yeah, and uh, so we were curious on, on understanding and researching the brand strength of fashion brands. 
as this is an area that we often help our clients. They are many of our clients are within this segment. And so we are always keen on learning and, uh, and investigating in this area. In particular, for this report, we wanted to investigate which role preference plays for these brands today and also do, do some observations and compare and analyze different KPIs and see if we can find some correlations. Yeah, the technical stuff, just so that everyone knows what we have been doing. How has the study been conducted? All the brands in the survey actually represents a mix of digital natives and heritage labels. Some of the brands are international uh, and some are more local. Uh, and some examples of brands included uh, is H&M. We have also Gina Tricot, uh, but we all have big internationals such as Zalando. We also have Boost. So as you can see, it's a mix of uh, uh, different fashion brands. Uh, but what all of them have in common in this survey is that they're all competing for the same target audience. So it's quite relevant to compare them. Uh, and the target audience we are uh, looking into is women 18 to 50 and the brand tracking service are made by Nepa and Kantar, uh, two well-known marketing intelligence companies. And the population of each brand is 1,000 respondents for each brand. So that's a bit of the background. Right. And shortly about the questions asked. So I know they have been aided questions, which means that they have a list of brands in front of them when they answer the questions. And it's about awareness, consideration, preference, and last purchase. Is that correct? Yes, that's totally correct. Uh, and as an example, I can just uh, go through aided preference. The question we asked there would be, uh, or was, which of the following stores that sell clothes do you prefer to shop from? So that's what, just one example. It's very specific. Yeah. Definitely. I think we should go into the results and uh, go through the key findings. Yeah, for sure. Let's jump into the first finding. Yeah, so one of the observations made is that traditional companies or legacy brands that have been around for a long time, they actually have the biggest gap between awareness and preference. So we can see that a lot of brands might have around 80 to 85% of awareness, but the preference is lagging a lot. So the preference might be around 0 to 5%, and that creates a huge gap here. Uh, so many know about the brand, but they actually don't prefer it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really dangerous. And I think that's really common if we look at it, especially the traditional brands who have been investing in brand awareness year after year in traditional channels, and they are still doing it, although they have already reached a tipping point. They can't have more awareness almost, but they are still investing in it. Yeah, and one of my thoughts when I, I saw this was that uh, I was a bit surprised that there were so many brands that scored so low on preference. We only have uh, around five out of 13 that actually scores uh, more than 5% preference. And yeah, that was a bit... I thought it would be uh, some more brands scoring uh, more. Yeah, yeah, that's really low. And the second observation. So another observation we also made is if we look at specifically at the target group uh, 
18 to 50, we can see that three out of the top five companies with the largest gap between awareness and preference are actually not profitable. So here we can see it's, it's very difficult, of course, to draw any strong conclusions. But yeah, there, there is a, a, a correlation here between preference and profitability. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's a really strong indication that preference is really important. Yeah, it's very important. But of course, it's a lot of factors that drives profitability in a, in a company. So, um, but it's just interesting. It's just an observation. Yeah, it could be a driver. So the third observation we made uh, is that we can see that a very clear correlation between preference and lost purchase. So this also shows uh, a very the importance of having a high preference um, because I, I might have think, thought that you can say that it's, you, it's a preferred brand, but will you act on it or will you actually buy from it? And here we see that strong correlation. So that's very, very good to see and interesting, of course. Yeah, it's, it's an important sign that preference also equals sales. So it's not just a nice KPI to score high on. It's also something that drives profitability, as we talked about before. The fourth observation we made uh, by collaborating with Kantar, we got all the numbers of the media, traditional media spend these companies have, these brands have made in 2022. And we could see a, a clear correlation here as well. And we, the thing we found out was that there is no guarantee of awareness or, and nor preference for that sake, uh, just because you're investing in, in large traditional rich media, uh, such as TV out of home. Uh, so that was very interesting. Yeah. So you mean that the brands spending the most in traditional channels also can have really low awareness, according to the report? Yeah. And of course, it's, a, it's always a bit tricky to do these kind of conclusions. You have to be careful about it. But I can just present the facts. And one of the, the facts is that actually the brand scoring lowest on awareness is the brand that all are spending the highest amount on TV uh, and out of home and those kind of reach channels. So, <laughs> yeah, but it's still a, a little bit difficult and uh, to draw two strong conclusions here. But yeah, maybe it's a coincidence or maybe not. But yeah, it can be a lot of factors uh, affecting uh, the brand, of course. But it's very, I think it's still very interesting and uh, interesting learning to see. Yeah, and as you say, you can never, there are so many factors playing in. But if I was this brand, I would be really curious into seeing these numbers and yeah, reconsidering maybe where I spend the majority of my budgets. Yeah, it doesn't feel fair to out them here in the, in the podcast, but, <laughs> but of course, no, if won't. anyone is interested, of course, we, we can share it uh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so these were the four first findings. So I think we can move over to the findings related to social media and especially TikTok, if we talk about the Gen Z generation, which is an essential target audience for I think all these brands. Yes. So the fifth finding is actually that there is a clear correlation between the number of social media followers and preference. 
So in short, the brands with the most followers are also the ones with the highest preference. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think for many, if you say it's important with many followers, it sounds like a vanity metric, like what does it lead to? But this shows that it's also important for, for the brand. Yeah, and of course, it's not just enough to have a presence. I think it also shows that that's not enough. You also need to create relevant content that appeals to your audience. Uh, but that's a whole other chapter, of course, or <laughs> other episode. Uh, yeah, we could talk a lot about that as well. Let's move on to the sixth finding. So uh, one opportunity that I can see uh, is that TikTok offers big opportunities for the brands that jump on the platform now, because we can see that the, plat the bottom half of the companies in the report, with actually the lowest preference, have little or no TikTok presence. So there is a, a window of opportunity here for these brands. For sure. I, I can be surprised sometimes when I look into a big brand on TikTok and see that they have little or no presence at all, even though lots of people in their target audience are tagging them or mentioning them or creating content about them, they are not doing anything themselves. So I think many might think that it's too late, but it's really not too late. You can still get on there and get a head start. You need to be there if you're targeting the Gen Z generation and also millennials, for sure. Yeah, there are massive opportunity there. Yeah. Definitely. And I would say that this takes us to the seventh and the final finding. For the heritage labels and the traditional labels uh, that have already a fixed uh, target audience that uh, might, might be growing and getting older, there is a big opportunity here to have a, a long-term strategy and create preference with uh, further down the ages uh, and create an early stage relationship with these Uh, younger generations in order to have the relationship in place when they get older, actually, and when they are more, when their brand actually fits their lifestyle better. And uh, that's yeah. a big opportunity. And also their wallets. I think many younger yeah. people, they um, start to like brands, but they may not afford buying from them until they reach a certain age of, yeah, when they have a job or whatever. So that's important to be the top of mind brand when they get there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that might take some time. And that's the, the challenge, I would say, because not um, that many have that, that kind of long-term strategy, maybe even extending the strategy over a generation or 10 years, or <laughs> 10 years, no. 15 years strategy. <laughs> you need to have patience for sure. Do you have an example of a brand who have done this in a good way? One example I came to think of is when I met the former European director at Nike. She told me about their strategy, actually, uh, about how to win preference in the football segments. And this was during the 90s. Uh, so during the 90s, Adidas was dominating the football shoes uh, uh, segment. And they had the big stars like Zidane or Beckham. Uh, mm -hmm. And they were everyone's number one choice. Nike knew that it was very difficult to compete against Adidas for the short term. So they set up a long-term strategy and they started to focusing on winning the hearts of the next upcoming generations. So Nike actually went very far and went down to the 12-year-olds. So they, 
they went to a whole other generation. And the long-term strategy was that they started working with the next upcoming stars in football, like Ronaldo and Neymar. And when they started working with these ones, these became the, the new generation's heroes. All of them, these new heroes, had Nike boots on and Nike shoes. So 10, 15 years later, Nike, or today, Nike is actually dominating this field and are bigger than Adidas. So that's how a long-term strategy can play out. But of course... You need to have that kind of focus and patience. Yeah, and the possibility to do it. But it's brilliant and just do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To summarize the important points that you've made, Carlos. So I would say awareness is not enough. You need preference. And also social media is essential for building preference today since this is where the target audiences spend their time. And also... It's not too late. There are still big opportunities to adapt to these new consumer behaviors and to build preference with future generations, also for those scoring low in the reports. Big thank you, Carlos, for guesting the episode and for sharing all these insights with us. Yeah, Thank you. It was my pleasure. This brings us to the end of another episode of Influencer Marketing Talks. If you want to continue staying up to date on our weekly podcast episodes, influence marketing content, and what's up on the consumer marketing scene, make sure you follow us on our platforms at Cure Media.